what a great show to be opening the industry with. Am I gonna cry? I don't know. I obviously cried. Some of those songs, stunning. Like actually, truly stunning. It's been a wild ride. What about the musical episode? Oh, come on, yeah. Thank goodness and hard if you've got a library card. Yes. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to Off to Broadway, the podcast where we deep dive into anything and everything musical theater from the comfort of my car. I'm Tara. I'm Stefania. And in today's episode, we're talking all about a brand new Canadian musical, Blackout. Steph, two live theater things like back to back, like <laughs> <I> crazy. <know. laughs> it was it was honestly an exciting week um, because we got to see both. We went to Stratford and saw live cabarets and we saw Blackout in High Park in person. We got to hear someone sing and then have it immediately in our ears because we were there. Yes, it is like so crazy that we can say that now. Um, You guys will hear our Stratford episode in the next episode, um, but we did see that one first and then High Park. And High Park is actually somewhere that we've gone over the years and like we really missed um shakespeare in the park last year shakespeare in the park not happening this year um but musical stage company and canadian stage have like a full lineup of things that are happening in high park so check out their website for that but um yeah first canadian musical um in basically two years this was a show that uh we got to see like a portion of it at reprint in 2019 at the globe and mail center and then we had heard that there was like developments of this um not supposed to be played at high park but obviously covid so we got to see it at high park yes i remember it was almost two years ago now if we can take the time back i believe we talked about it in an episode but Mm -hmm. we saw musical stage companies reprint where they had up-and-coming musical theater composers write a kind of 30-minute short musicals based on articles in the Globe and Mail, because it was in collaboration with the Globe and Mail. And the third musical, which was the final one shown that night, was based on an article about the 2003 Toronto blackout. There were also, there was a wide-ranging blackout, not just Toronto, but about this Toronto blackout, and it was about two you know, men who came upon each other in the middle of the night in this blackout and were brought together by this circumstance. And of all of the musicals we saw that night, I remember thinking, that one is something. That one, I don't think we're done with that one here. It can become something. I think it's such a, a, a such a, a, an interesting idea to place human beings in this like kind of weird situation of the blackout and see how they interact. So now almost two years later, it's been in development and we got to see it at High Park. And one of the most exciting things about it was that our past guest at the time, friend of the podcast, Brandon Antonio, was in that production and he was in this production as well. So we knew another reason we had to go see it. And so the most exciting part of that is that actually we have an interview with him to share about the development process, what it's like to be in Blackout, what it's like going back to theater, and we're going to share it with you now. Last time you were here, Brandon, we were talking about Next to Normal in the van, if you can believe that we actually like sat in a place in person um, all together, which is kind of crazy. And now almost two years later, you're starring in a brand new Canadian musical. Like, what does that mean to you? Uh, um, it's been a wild ride. I mean, like the pandemic put like so many things into perspective, I feel, for all of us. Um, and... You know, I, 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 I didn't know what was going to happen. Like, I knew that this was kind of a, a plan that musical stage had to the kind of expand 
the work of Cygnus, which was seen in reprint. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when they announced that, you know, they were, they were going to add like two additional stories to make like a whole kind of cohesive piece, it was kind of exciting to see like what was, what was going to happen. But then, I mean, of course COVID hit and we were all just kind of like, well, kind of got to go with the flow. Like it, it was weird that you couldn't plan anything ahead. And like this production specifically, once I was, um, once I was like officially attached to it, um, was um, constantly shifting and changing. Because as, mm-hmm. as they said at the show, and I, and I believe they say um, there's a, uh, a pre-show speech uh, before every performance, um, this was supposed to have its world premiere production at the Berkeley Street Theater in May, May and June, I think, of this year. So it was going to, like, I mean, they had their fingers crossed that everything would, would work out and that there would be, like, an indoor, like, full-scale production. Um, and then again, with... Um, with the different waves and with the different reopening plans, mm-hmm. they had to shift, which I could just imagine was a complete and total nightmare. Because um, theater companies and live entertainment, like whatever it is, concerts, uh, theater, whatever it may be, you, you plan years in advance. You know, like it's not it's not the industry that is like, okay, like you're allowed to do this now, or like, oh, you can't do this now, right? It's, plan like like planning in advance is what this industry is about so i mean i really do applaud musical stage and canadian stage for being able to you know throw this up like not on a whim but i mean like to to fully just like adhere to all the policies and the protocols and to make it happen it's Mm -hmm. like it's so wild like i can't i still can't believe like you know five days a week i'm performing Mm -hmm. a live audience and like Obviously, during the day shows and like during the early evening, I can see the audience and everyone's wearing everyone's wearing a mask. Everyone's distanced. It's it's like wow, like it feels like old times, but also it's a constant reminder that like oh, you know, we're still in this and we still have right. to be so careful. So I guess that kind of leads me into my next question of like, how does it feel to be one of, or I guess you guys are the first show back after the shutdown. So after like not performing on a stage, like what does it feel to be back on stage? It's, it's um, obviously amazing. It's, you know, all of us have been just itching for it. I think um, after being cooped up inside for so long, um it it is really strange though like like i just said you know like yeah we have to you know like we our masks are on um unless we're literally walking backstage to go onto stage um we have like little separated tents as our dressing rooms and you know we can be maskless in there when we're you know getting ready and and doing that but it's uh, I keep saying this to people. It's it's like eerily similar, like eerily familiar to 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 what it was before, mm-hmm. but just with that added layer of like, um, I don't want to say I don't want to say stress because I think we're we're all kind of used to it now after you know almost two years in this, like putting on the mask, washing your hands, hand sanitizer, but like. As if, like, as if doing a live performance isn't stressful enough. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There's so many things that are out of your control. And then it's like, 
boop, we have this virus that's going around. <laughs> to be extra careful. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, it's, it's so great. And, and I think, um, it would have been easy. F- I, I mean, I'm speaking from personal experience. I don't know how my other castmates feel, but for me, I think it would, it, it would be easy to put a lot of pressure on yourself as the performer being like, wow, like we are like, we are the reopening of the industry, right? In Toronto and in, in, in such a, a, a major city for live performance. Um, I mean, but I'm, I didn't put that pressure on myself. Also, like, I feel like I'm, I, I come from, you know, I, I'm, I'm a little bit biased because I've done the piece before already, yeah. you know, like obviously things have changed and we've gone deeper into it, but, but still, yeah, like I, I just, I had to keep telling myself, you know, like, don't put that pressure on yourself. Otherwise you're just going to be even more stressed. (laughs) Speaking of what has changed, you know, we saw you do it almost two years ago. What has changed from that iteration of it to now? Um, I mean, blackout as a whole, of course, now is three individual pieces um, that are all based on like um, certain Greek myths and, um, you know, mythology and, and constellations. So there's, a piece, uh, the first piece is called Gemini, which is about two sisters who reconnect um, during the the, um, the night of the blackout. And then the second one is Pandora um, about, um, you know, a bunch of neighbors that get together and have a backyard barbecue. And then of course there's Cygnus, which is about two gay men who, um, who are complete strangers who just happened to meet in Riverdale Park in their wee early, early <laughs> morning of, of the first night slash next day of the blackout. Um, so it's actually kind of cool because it goes in a chronological order. So Gemini starts like the evening when the blackout hit. Pandora happens kind of like middle of the night. And then Cygnus is, yeah, like I said, like wee, wee hours in the morning. Um, and it's, I mean, they're, they're, not, they're not interwoven, but like, mm-hmm. I mean, they're all stories based in Toronto during that same night and how these people are forced to connect and are forced to, um, you know, reveal secrets. And there's a lot. I mean, each show is pretty, pretty heavy in itself. I mean, of course there's lighter moments, but, but like what a great show to be opening the industry with. Um, I guess in terms of Cygnus, what has changed mm-hmm. is um, I think we were really fortunate to that, that the, myself and Michael were able, you know, we were available and we were able <laughs> to, to come back and revisit the work that we did two years ago. Um, obviously, you know, minor script changes, um, stage directions, whatever it may be. Um, reprint was very, it was very scaled down, of course, you know, like we were rehearsing two other shows at the same time. So it was very, it was just very minimal staging, you know, very simple with, mm-hmm. I mean, it still is like, you know, we, we're like, we sit for half of it because it, it really is just like about this relationship of these two guys and a, this conversation and this, and this weird relationship that they form in the matter of like half an hour, this journey that they go on. Um, so I guess like the only real differences are that like we had the chance to get into the really nitty gritty details of these two guys and of their mm-hmm. journey. 
So we were able to do that, you know, that, that, that work as, as, as actors, just to be able to be really um, specific about our choices and about our relationship. So it was, it was a nice chance for us to, you know, get those, those active um, actor creative juices going again. So so as you said in Cygnus, uh, you and Michael um, are together. So tell us about your character, Zachary. Yeah. Um, so my character, yeah, his name is Zachary. He's a young, um, young gay man who was who just had his wedding the night of the blackout. Like he says, timing. Like, what timing? Yeah, <laughs> timing. There's, there's the line where he says, "Yeah, it's my wedding." Um, David, who's my husband, David and I said, "I do," and the world went black. <laughs> Um, and he, he, uh, like I mentioned, it's, it's almost as if, um, all of these characters in the show, they all kind of have like a secret or they have something that is revealed about themselves, um, which is very cool. And it's, and it's woven into the whole, to, to the piece. Um, but mine is that. I don't know if I made the right choice. You know, I get scared at the wedding because somebody makes a joke about how, you know, your life is, you're you, like, you can't have fun anymore. You're tied down. Life is getting serious now. So you can't be a, a crazy wacko guy anymore. Like it's time to get serious. And so, so my, my thing is, is that I left my reception, um, which we had decided was, in like Parkdale, so like West End okay. of Toronto. Oh, you've built the whole, oh, so, built, you know. <laughs> we built the whole thing. So like his wedding was in Parkdale, the, the reception was there. And then he left the reception because he was ah, overwhelmed with feelings and, and questioning everything. And he spent the whole night basically walking through the city and ends up in Riverdale Park on the East End, like Danforth, Greek town and stumbles upon Lennon and yeah. And then he just, you know, he has no one else to talk to. He runs into him and, and reveals that he's been having these doubts and they kind of, you know, they, they, they're changed forever because of their interaction. I'm not going to spoil like all of it, of course, but, but um, they really, you know, they, they, they form something really special that, that um, that changes them both. So you're the only person who has played Zachary. When, how much of you is in Zachary or how much of your input did you bring to him? Um, <laughs> that's, it's, it's hilarious. <laughs> I feel like, I feel like I, a huge part of myself, Zachary. Um, just like, just like who I am as a person, not necessarily, you know, like, his circumstances, of sure. course, but I mean, yeah, I am a young, openly gay man in Toronto, obviously, you know, not during 2003, but, and, and you know, things were, were very different for, for gay men back in 2003 than they are now. Um, but it's, it's really funny because I have so much fun on stage as Zachary because I, I feel like I'm almost just being a heightened version of myself really mm -hmm. under, under different circumstances. Right. Like mm -hmm. I feel like, I feel like it's not like 
I don't know. It's, 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 it's funny because of course ours is a two hander and Michael has like, he has the like complete emotional journey and like is very like, you know, um, introverted and, you know, has the, the crazy ballads that like, that really like tug at your heartstrings. And then I come in and I'm just like the wacky energetic swearing all the time. Like, guy who just is like oh whatever like it's just like so flase da you know <laughs> and and yeah like i feel like it's just it's it's a very fun opportunity and i feel like i've really um i've really lent a lot of myself to the character and you know who, whatever the future holds for this production you know like if i you know play zachary again or if someone else plays zachary i i I hope that, you know, like they're able to understand the character and like, you know, where it comes from and like where, where his, you know, where his, his traits come from and all that stuff. And it's really cool to um, originate Mm -hmm. a role like that. Um, So I feel really blessed and thankful that I'm able to do it in this production. Whenever you originate like that, a part of your DNA, no matter whoever plays it, is always in that character, I think. So even yeah. if people in the future are making different choices, they're all rooted in the first choices that you made in that first production. Yeah, and, and, cool. It, and it's cool like that that is um I mean, of course, any like any like, you know, big show or like, you know, Broadway show or whatever, like there's always like an original cast member. But I feel like you always you always kind of forget that, right? Like you're mm-hmm. you're like, oh, like, yes, because of this original person that is how this character has evolved and and how all these people have targeted it and how like it is very rooted in that kind of original, original um, person, I guess, or Mm -hmm. actor, you know? And for you, there's kind of also like not to the same scale, but there is sort of like an original cast recording because you guys did a podcast version uh, when reprint happened and we've listened to it many times since seeing it. And last time we spoke to you, I think after seeing reprint, you had told us that it was coming. So what was it like to like record for that and um, be in the recording studio to do those songs? Um, It was that was a wild day because I think we had just we, I think we had just closed the show, closed reprint, I think the night before. And then they're like, okay, so you had a moment <laughs> to record all three shows back to back. Oh, right. Because you were in all of them <laughs> too, right? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay. Um, but you know what? They actually turned out really well. And like, we didn't, we didn't record them like in a studio. We, we recorded them mm. in, in the rehearsal hall, like in um, like the Soul Pepper rehearsal halls at the oh, Young Center. Um, but uh, of course, you know, we had like a sound technician and like had the microphone set up. Um, so it was really fun. It was almost just like performing it concert style. Um, and we tried to do it in as like little, or yeah, does that make sense? In as, in as little takes as possible. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Um, so I think we only really did, um, Cygnus, I think we actually did it in one take i think Amazing. the podcast i think was in one take i think we had to re-record one thing um but like yeah for all of them 
we yeah. did our best just to like go through the show and record it. I love that it has like the dialogue between it. So you get the mm-hmm. full picture of the story instead of just the songs. We have said on our podcast that when those blinds went up at the Global Mail Center to reveal the like stunning Toronto skyline in the darkness, like what was your first thoughts when you got to to see that happen? Oh my gosh, it was just absolutely stunning like the uh, rehearsing in i think like we we we've re- we rehearsed in, uh at tarragon and then yeah we rehearsed at soul pepper and then finally getting to the venue space for reprint and mm-hmm. seeing that view i was like wow especially for for cygnus right because yeah. they're there that is what they see from from riverdale park but at a distance so it was just absolutely stunning because it made it and so realistic for us, even though we're inside, you know, like in a corporate office, whatever, like if, yeah, if, if, if we looked behind us, it was like, wow, that is what these two characters would have been seeing, would have been surrounded by. And then mm-hmm. obviously the set for, for blackout is, is based on that is based mm-hmm. on the, um, the background of, of the original picture that Cygnus was based on. Right. Um, so yeah, absolutely stunning. And then they, they have like um, the little holes in, in the back. Right. So the, the string lights kind of shine through and like um, act as stars. Yeah. Um, yeah. That was a fun reveal because those stars only turned on for Cygnus. So it was kind of that same moment of like the opening the curtains, the stars turning on. Yeah, yeah. Know, setting the tone. It's quite beautiful. So speaking of stars, what's your favorite constellation? Ah! <laughs> I have to say Gemini because I am a Gemini. Sure. Me too. Gemini energy. <laughs> yes, yes, major Gemini energy. I've and I've been told since I was a kid, like everyone would always be like, Oh my god, Brandon, you're such a Gemini, because it's like, usually like high energy and like, you know, like um I mean I wouldn't say I have like you know, split two sides, yeah, <laughs> evil, like the evil side or like, but I mean, I, I feel like I'm a Gemini in, in the way that like, I am able to really kind of like bring myself up when I need to be brought up and then bring myself down when, when that's required, you know, like I'm, I'm very mm-hmm. adaptable in that way. Um, and very aware of that. Um, but yeah, Gemini, even though I'm not in Gemini, but <laughs> I love, I love the story of that, that Cynthia and Shalina have, have been able to bring to life, so. I was gonna ask, I was stealing Tara's question, but if you could play a different character in Blackout, who would you wanna play? Ah! Um, I would play, I would play uh, Leighton, who Shalina plays. Mm. She's, I mean, like, again, like, I feel like our two characters are very, um, I don't know, it's funny, cause like they open the show and then we close the show, but mm-hmm. I feel like we're almost those like two kind of like, wacky bookends of the piece because like she comes in and she's like "Ooh, crystals and like very you know um like very um boho and ethereal and like um you know spiritual and i feel like you know what she's done with it is is so um it's so real and it's so you know funny and and yeah like she's really brought this character to life and I would love to play that character I think it'd be so fun we we love Shalina we had her on last year and she was just the absolute best so getting to see Mm -hmm. her in this and then you was just like such a treat yeah yeah and this is the this is the first time I've I've worked with her it was like Mm -hmm. it's crazy because um 
we we obviously uh, because of COVID protocols, we had to rehearse separately. Um, and it also just like made sense. Like, why would you sit there for like three hours while they worked on Gemini? And like you had mm-hmm. and like, what are you supposed to do? Just run lines for three hours? Like, um, but yeah, like I hadn't met most of the cast. I want to say, pro- yeah, probably all of them, except for one person um, until we moved to the park like two weeks ago. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. So it's like, Hey, nice to meet you. Like, co-stars go together. Like, it's it was crazy, but um, yeah. So, like, I I had only met Shalina, yeah, like two two weeks ago when we got to the park, and everyone else. Uh, but everyone is so wonderful, and like, we we all get along so well, and just have such a blast backstage. I mean, speaking of backstage, we know you give a little bit of a preview on uh, Musical Stage Company's IG stories, but like, what is it like to set up a backstage in the middle of a park? (laughs) Yeah, it was quite, I mean, hilarious. I had never been to High Park before. And yeah, never, never like even like never even for a hike, never like to see Shakespeare in the park, none of that. So the first day we got to the park, I was like, this is beautiful. Like, wow, what a, what a cool amphitheater they have set up like in the middle of the park. It feels like a different world. Yeah. Um, but it's quite, uh, I mean, like what they did to set up the backstage and like with tents and everything was like unbelievable. And like, especially because of because of the pandemic, you know, things have to be separated. I don't know what they usually do in terms of dressing rooms and all that, but like, yeah, we have we each have individual tents and, you know, they set up lights inside and we all have, you know, power for, you know, whatever we need to do. And um, it's it's really it's really fun because we can just like, you know, open the little wall to the tent and like we can all talk because there's a little like hallway. And like, of course, like the rule is like if you step out of your tent and you go to talk to someone else or you do something, you, you put your mask on um, just to keep, you know, the distance. And if you can't stay within that um Mm -hmm. but it's yeah like we managed to just have so much fun back there and you know like they really did a a great job um it's crazy because of you know like the elements the rain the the wind the the sun like sometimes it's so hot but like you just you have to be prepared you have to be prepared for all of it so there's bug sprays sunscreen water water galore um and yeah, there was actually um, this past weekend a ginormous spider in the corner of my tent, and I when I tell you that I have like the like the biggest fear, like I just can't. They're they're just so. I know that they don't like they don't like <laughs> you, but it's just there, right? Yeah. So I literally moved all of my stuff to the front of the tent. <laughs> like it's not bugging me. It's not moving. I don't want to bother it. you also right like you're in the middle of of like a forest so it's like of course there's gonna be spiders and bugs and all that stuff um but then i i it it kept like inching like like more like further and further down like every day and then finally i was like okay someone needs to come take care of this not it out thank god but yeah it's um it is very weird doing a, a show outside because this is my first outdoor show too, but um, it's quite the experience and I'm, it, it's been really exciting. It's kept us on our, to- on our toes. The, the night we were there, it was really hot, which was nice. So like no blankets required because we've yeah. been to High Park before where it's 13 degrees and we're, you know, bundled up, but freezing. Very, 
very hot. And then we were also noticing uh, bats flying around over the, yes. Over the stage. Yes. Yes. <laughs> like, come on. When I talk about elements, what like what else are you going to throw at us? It's so funny because Michael and I, of course, for Cygnus, mm-hmm. we spend half the time looking up at the stars. Right. <laughs> We're looking at the sky and it's like, okay, you see a helicopter, you see a bat, you see like all the bugs. It's hilarious. But again, like it's just, it makes it very realistic because we would have been outside. outside. And exactly. It's actually, I mean, and we didn't even think about this, Michael and I, until like we got to the park. We're like, wow, like our story is the only one that actually kind of takes place outside. I mean, like, yes, they're in the they're in a backyard sort of patio mm-hmm. for Pandora, but like we in Cygnus like would have been like in a park, surrounded by trees, looking up at the sky. So it's it's very it adds to the realism for sure. Definitely. Yeah, that's so cool. But I also wonder, um, as you said, your first show is outside. What is it like singing outside? Um, I remember the first, I don't know if it was rehearsal or like maybe one of our first previews or something. Um, I felt really dry, which was Mm -hmm. weird because, I mean, usually you feel dry in a theater because of, you know, like the airflow and all that. And then I was like, oh, like it's summer in Toronto, humidity, perfect. Um. Which, I mean, for the most part, it actually does really help because of the humidity and like, and, and you just feel like more open and you feel, you know, like you're, you're very, um, you're like prepared vocally and you feel, you feel good. Uh, yeah, but, but um, I remember that there was, there was something that, when did it happen? It was like mid, midway through of last week. Some, I don't know what happened with, with the sound, but like uh, they have, of course, um, like monitors that feed, that feed our vocals through so we, so we can hear it and feed, you know, the, the instrument or the orchestra through as well so we can hear. But halfway through last week, I don't know if they like amped up the mics or something, but it was, I was actually so thankful because I was like, oh, I can finally hear myself and I feel like I don't have to push as much. Right. Um, because sometimes, like, you know, as the performer, like, you're, as much as you're into, you're, 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 you know, emotionally invested into the scene, you get affected by, you know, like, the sound, if you can hear yourself, um, you know, and then you start thinking, oh, like, is my mic close enough to my mouth? Like, am I projecting enough? So I feel like leading up to that, I felt like I was almost um, overcompensating. Um, but then something switched, and I'm like, wow, I can really hear myself now, so I don't have to push as much, so... Sick. That's great. Yeah. Um, it is. Uh, it's. I mean, f- for myself, it's not much of a difference singing outside, but um, it definitely helps on the humid days. Even though you know you're sweating, <laughs> but then you're like, "Ooh, yes, okay, I feel ready." So, when did you get the call that blackout was happening at High Park and that you were reprising? That it was reprising. Um. I, I mean, I found out I was reprising earlier this year. Okay. Um, I want to say maybe February, March is when I found out that like they wanted me to come back for, for the Cygnus portion. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, everything was, was like, nothing was set in stone, but they were like, you know, of course, like they want you to be a part of it. And I said, sure. Um, but the official... High Park production, we 
we knew that it was going to happen, I want to say in, I don't remember dates exactly, but maybe end of April, early May. Okay. We knew that, we knew that rehearsals were going to start at the end of June. So we had a little bit of notice, but I remember um, when they completely revamped the reopening plan, like when they got rid of the color coded framework yeah, yes. and then added the stages for the entirety of the province, that was when we were all like, oh no. Because, I know. because of course, once again, they didn't put live events, they didn't take live events into consideration. Granted, I get it. There's, I'm not, I'm not a politician. I'm not a doctor. I'm not a scientist. So I get they have a million and one things to think about. Mm-hmm. But seriously, come on, like live events. It's, it's, that's a summer, it's a summer staple, you know, for sure. It, it is, it is a everyday staple live events. Um, so that really kind of messed things up right. for people, I think mentally, because mm-hmm. then we were like, oh, we gotta, we gotta re rethink everything. Like, will we even be able to do this in High Park because of the gathering limits? Mm-hmm. And thankfully everything worked out, but I don't think we like I, I might be wrong, but I don't think we were like officially like this is happening until maybe like two, maybe three weeks before rehearsals were supposed to start. Wow. That's crazy. Which is crazy because usually like that, that usually doesn't happen unless, you know, like pre COVID, if you were doing a production and then, you know, for some reason someone couldn't do it anymore and they had to find someone like a replacement or whatever, like mm-hmm. you, the, the turnaround isn't that quick. You know, usually, you know, for like months ahead, if you're going to be a part of something. Mm-hmm. Um, so this was really like, again, we've just all been kept on our toes this entire time, which has been equally frustrating as it's been exciting. Right. Yeah. That's great. Um, let's talk about this blackout. Where were you when the blackout of 2003 happened? Oh my God. I love, (laughs) I love blackout stories. Um, I was very, I was 10 years old, probably. Yeah, I was 10. Um, and I was in, um, Timmins, Ontario. So like nine hours North of Toronto, because my, my, um, that's where my grandparents lived. Mm. Um, and every summer I would spend up in Timmins, of course, cause you know, as, as kids, we have the summer off, but then my parents still had work. So they were like, go to Timmins. <laughs> um, so literally in the middle of nowhere, um, in Northern Ontario, but I remember the blackout didn't last as long for us because I think mm. we were like far enough North that like mm-hmm. it lasted for, I want to say maybe like just like a few hours or something. Um, but I remember it being so hot, ridiculously <laughs> hot, like such a hot evening. Like it was like, whoa, please, I need some air. Um, so, I mean, like it was, I, I mean, I might, I might be, I might be mistaken, but I want to say it might've been the night during the blackout that I was able to see like the Northern lights Oh, wow. Amazing. Um, far north enough to be yeah, able to like, and, and I've seen the Northern Lights a few times growing up, like, because Timmins is far enough north. But yeah. I think I do remember, I think I remember that night that I, the Northern wow. Lights came out, like, for, you know, fairly quickly. But, but um, 
it was just like, wow, we're in a black <laughs> room now. Like there's this beautiful, you know, this beautiful natural thing happening. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's where I was. What about you guys? My story is not good. I was at a friend's house and apparently my parents picked me up and I like, I remember Y2K more than I remember the blackout because (laughs) everyone thought that the world world was going to end. (laughs) So um, allegedly flashlights were bought for the blackout for my house, but I don't remember it. Seth has a much better story than Uh, (laughs) picture this picture this. I'm 10. My brother is seven. And we're in the line for the Lazy River at Canada's Wonderland. Oh, the Lazy River. <laughs> okay. A, a Canadian staple. Okay. Yes. Um, so we're there and everything stops running. So everyone's just stuck in line because we thought it would come back quickly. But then obviously it didn't. Eventually my I was pulled from the line and we went home. <laughs> it was like huge traffic jams because, you know, street lights are out. Everything's yeah. gone. Um, and then I don't think power came back where I am, like, until, like, maybe the middle of the night. Um, yeah. So Definitely not, not as long as Toronto, long, but uh, still, still an exciting evening. Till Definitely, especially as kids, right? Because like yeah. you don't really, you don't understand what is really going on. You're just like, oh, the power's out. Yeah, yeah. Out. You know, like, but yeah, I couldn't imagine like being, you know, like we, um, before the show. You know, there's that like kind of like um, the like newsreel, yeah, yeah, the newsreel audio. Um, portion of people being like oh yeah you know like people were using their cell phones which were like not iphones <laughs> flashlight no. like a flip phone phone tiny screen to like go down the <laughs> stairs and like like wow like what what it would be like to be like to be uh, an adult during mm-hmm. this would have been i know insane. but i mean we're adults now going through a pandemic so it's sure it's it's very kind of similar but different circumstances mm-hmm. so it, it is some of the things that were uh, kind of like impactful from seeing blackout is like oh everyone is going through this all together at the same time and has to cope with it all together at the same time that lasted a much shorter time and everything was different but it was still a communal event that everyone had to experience at the same time mm-hmm. and handled in many different ways in terms of the blackout like what was what would be the first thing that you would eat out of the freezer oh i mean as a kid yeah. Obviously, like all the popsicles in the freezer. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. <laughs> like, you're in the middle of summer, it's August. Freezies, like the jumbo freezies, too. Come on. Yes. Me, the jumbo yes. freezies. Yeah, that's no, true. that's great. That's a yeah. great answer. <laughs> Um, to steer away from blackout a bit here, you have also found TikTok fame during the pandemic. <laughs> and I need to know like how this started, why Arthur, obviously we just learned that Arthur is ending after 25 seasons. Is this gonna affect your TikTok career? Like give us the deets. <laughs> <laughs> it was so funny. So um, like everyone else, I downloaded TikTok at the beginning of the pandemic. I think actually I had downloaded the app specifically months prior but then like didn't know how it worked um i was like oh like this is just like you know a silly little thing um but then yeah like uh when the pandemic started i started you know kind of exploring it more and it started kind of like taking off and people were you know a lot of people were beginning to use it um and like everyone else you know i started off with like the silly like dances you know (laughs) (laughs) just like what is this app about so I started off with dances and just like like stupid little videos. Um, I'm gonna start posting just like funny like funny little clips from like things that I'm watching. Um, 
Disney Plus had just been out like for like a few months before this. So like, you know, there was a lot of like nostalgia, I think for a lot of us, especially like Mm -hmm. we're in a pandemic now, like what are we supposed to do? We have Netflix, we have Disney Plus, we have Prime. So like you're just watching a whole lot of stuff. So it really did start off as like um, sort of like a nostalgic type Mm -hmm. of account. Like it started kind of veering towards that and being like, wow, remember this scene? Remember that? Like, just like funny little things. Um, so yeah, like it's start, like I started getting like more like views and, and likes and, and more like activity, I guess, from those sort of things. And then I guess, you know, if, if it's working, then you just kind of, you go with <laughs> it. And I was never like, oh, like I want to be a I want to be a TikToker. I want to. I want to be an influencer and have all these followers and blah blah. blah. Like I was. Ne- that's never been a thing for me. Like I really don't care. Um, but I was like, this is fun. You know, I have nothing else to do, so why not? Um, and then yeah, and then I, I think I posted like maybe like a few clips from Arthur, which was like my favorite show as a kid. <laughs> up. Yeah. Um, and you know, it's always fun to revisit um, childhood. Um, childhood shows and then there were just like they started like taking off but I mean like Arthur is prime content like it is is, like real like every the jokes and the content (laughs) are like like what goes over your head as a kid is incredible because like as an adult this stuff is still so funny and so relevant (laughs) and like I think that's what makes it so enjoyable and why people were like latching on to it Mm-hmm. Um, because it was like, yeah, like unlocking memories, but also like stunning people being like, wow, <laughs> the kids show. Um, so yeah, it just, it literally, it, it's almost as if like it happened overnight, which it didn't like it happened over like a period of time. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Like it, then it was like, you're at, you know, 10,000 followers. And I was like, whoa. And then it was like, you're at 20, 34. And it just kept going up and up. And I think I'm at, I think I'm at like 74 right now, which is like, again, like that means that literally means nothing to like, I'm not getting paid for this. (laughs) It's it's full. Like it's just pure enjoyment. And like, Mm -hmm. I just became known as the, like Arthur TikTok account, um, but also um, PBS. If you're listening, sponsor Brandon. Um, yeah, that'd be great. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Even PBS though PBS Kids specifically. Exactly. exactly. Um, yeah, so that was very unexpected, and and um, it's just like funny. And like when I when I go, I mean, I love TikTok. I think everybody kind of like loves it, um, and it's not a guilty pleasure because I don't think you need to feel guilty about it. It's like no. the new, it's the new thing, right? It's the new, it's the new platform. So. Even even my mom is addicted to TikTok, so it <laughs> spans generation. Um, so, what is your favorite episode of Arthur? If you had to pick one, oh uh, wow, that's that's a hard <laughs> that's a hard question. My favorite episode, um, I would have to say, let's see. I'm literally gonna like pull up a little a little list here. Um, he's got all the ones that he's watched, keeping track. <laughs> I always, you know what? The one that sticks out to me, um, hilarious, is it, it. Of course, like you know, like I love all the older, sort of earlier seasons. Yeah, because that's what we grew up with, right? The best stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, the, the best stuff. I love the. Um, it's. I think it's called Arthur's underwear. 
where he, where he keeps he keeps having nightmares about showing up to school in his underwear or like ripping his pants. Remember, and I remember um, in in like the school library growing up, they they had like the book version of that mm. episode too, and it always just sticks out into my mind because I'm like, didn't we all have that nightmare growing up? Like the fear of going to school like in your underwear or like ripping your pants and your underwear showing and you're so embarrassed. And it's just like such like a, like a childhood thing, you know, like yeah. we all could relate to that. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, like, ah, uh, there's so many episodes with, with DW that are just <laughs> so queen, a true icon, a true, true icon. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. I love the, I love the episode where, where they, um, uh, where um ah what episode is it's almost like based on like wizard of oz almost where mm. where um dw and arthur are fighting and they start calling each other names yes and they, they they get francine's sister who's babysitting to like <laughs> bigger words yes about it oh so good. What about the musical episode? Oh, come on. Yeah. Playing Fitness and Hard if you've got a library card. Yes. Jekyll, Jekyll, High. <laughs> yes. I love that one. That's my favorite song. Yes. <laughs> Iconic. Yeah. Oh, so good. Um, okay. Before we wrap it up, can you give us any hints about what might be the future of Blackout? I mean, I'm not spoiling anything because <laughs> because nothing is, is set in stone. But mm-hmm. I mean, I hope that they're... Um, able to do you know the world premiere production that they were hoping to do um, in like an, an indoor venue so you know we don't have to cancel shows at the <laughs> last minute um, uh, yeah I mean like I no one really knows anything because you know we're still mid pandemic so we can't really plan which kind of sucks but I definitely am very hopeful that there will be a future for it and I think everyone else is too um, because it is really a beautiful piece and and I think you know they still want to they still want to work on bringing all these shows to even more life and to keep you know keep keep them keep them changing and evolving. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I mean I'm so happy because ever ever since two years ago we first saw Cygnus, we were just looking forward to seeing this full production of Blackout and then to have it be one of the first things back to see and to get to see you in it again and to see so many talented people in it um, was like the absolute best. Oh, thank you. It was, it was, and and it is like, it's so nice to be able to, to, to be on stage again and, and to do, you know, what we love. We all love to perform. That's, that's why we, you know, we do what we do. Um, But yeah, like as much as it, um, as you know, they, they, um, they say, you know, like, oh, this is like a, a more scaled down production than what we were expecting to do. It still feels like a full production. It's just, you know, we're outside and and things are out of our control. Mm-hmm. Um, so, it, yeah, it'll be cool to see what the full production entails whenever that may happen. Of course. Mm-hmm. Um, where can people follow you? Um, oh, people can follow me on Instagram at Brandon underscore Antonio. Um, TikTok, I think, is a little bit different because someone stole that. Um, wow. Don't even know who, who that is. Let's see. What is it? Oh, that one is at Brandon underscore Antonio 11. Um, that is TikTok. And then I also, I, I started, 
um, <laughs> a YouTube channel a few months ago, um, making like reaction videos to like, you know, music videos, things sure. um, like that, pop culture. Um, and that's just my name. It's just Brandon Antonio. Um, I haven't posted in a while, which I really should get back on that. But you're busy. Um, it's fine. Now, now that we're <laughs> No, I have all these days off so I can <laughs> filming some stuff. But yeah, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube, I guess, are the three places. We'll put all the links and we'll tag you and everything when we share the cool. episode. And so we'll direct people to you there. Awesome. But- Thanks for joining us today. It was so nice to talk to you again. We hope to continue to talk to you in the future and can't wait to see what you continue to do next. Oh, cool. Thanks for having me, guys. This was so fun. Thank you. It was so nice to chat with Brandon again. Now we want to give a bit of a review of Blackout. Um, Steph, what are your overall thoughts of this brand new Canadian musical? Okay, so I cried. <laughs> this is like the bar is low. <laughs> the, bar is, the bar is low. I was like, am I gonna cry? I don't know. I obviously cried. Um, I think there were parts of it that I enjoyed and parts of it that I thought needed a lot of work. Um, the part of it that I enjoyed the most was the Cygnus portion portion that we had seen before that we had like I had loved previously. And yeah. I still thought that was the strongest element of the show. It is the closer of the show, so I think they know it's the strongest part of the show. It's the most emotional part of the show. It's also, you know, it was getting dark at that point. Um, it was just getting like you, mo- the most compelling visually, especially being outside. Plus, I think that music and that storyline is very um, like emotionally effective. And then there were some of the other parts that I felt didn't work as well as that part. And I knew that that part worked so well. So it was like disappointing that the other parts didn't match up. I totally agree. Um, we, if you listen to our Off to Toronto episode, um, we did talk about uh, Cygnus uh, as part of Reprint and how that one was our favorite of the three then. And although not the same show, um, there were still three parts to this musical and still my favorite of the three now. Um, we should say that this uh, new Canadian musical is written by, or sorry, creators are Stephen Gallagher and Anton Lipovetsky. Um, so, I believe that they were at reprint when we were there yeah. two years ago, um, watching it. They, I think that and they, they were they there. They introduced it. They would introduce yeah. it because it was they were workshop production. They kind of explained what was what we were about to see. Right. So um, for anyone that has not seen Blackout and is planning to see Blackout, um, go get your tickets now because it's ending in like four days. So uh, <laughs> now was the time to see this this new Canadian musical. And honestly, like our opinions and thoughts aside like go see it it's live theater it's something to do and you you'll have a great time because if you like us have not seen something live in a very long time it's just like great to get back in the swing of things so how it works to buy tickets for blackout and i think all of the canadian stage shows at high park this summer you can either buy far in advance and you pay 49 dollars per premium seats and it's the first five rows or you can buy tickets um on new at noon two days before the performance and that's pay what you can it's from five to fifty dollars so mm-hmm. um that's normally when you go see shakespeare in high park with canadian stage you can buy in advance or you can pay what you can and just drop cash in the bucket um right. and so that's kind of in to in order to make sure you have seats because there obviously is a capacity that they have to stick to um 
buy in advance two days before. Um, we, I haven't been watching, so I don't know how no. fast tickets go or not. Um, but we were on right at noon. You know, we're we're committed. We're very good at that. That's our that's our mo. Yeah, we. Uh, I will say because we were like sort of looking at the days before to see like what it would be like for the days that we needed to buy, and you could buy tickets on the Friday night show, which was the first night um, on the day of. So. If you aren't if you aren't sure of your plans, like I think you are able to get um, tickets day of. I don't think it was full the night we went. I think they would mm-hmm. have sold more tickets. I think they had room for more, a lot more people. I felt there was a lot of room there for more people, um, even yeah. with distance. Yeah. So um, they do also timed entry, which keep that in mind. Uh, know what time your ticket is for um, because they are checking, and that's how you get into your seat and as I said it is fully masked the entire uh, production um, just because they can't really um, know if you are six feet apart from the person that's like not in the party next to you because High Park is not you know it's just you're sitting in an outdoor amphitheater there's no way to section off things even Um, normally we would picnic but this year we had to like picnic outside of the theater because once we went in we had masks also something to keep in mind um, it is you're sitting on the ground like please keep that hard in ground. It's like hard. The, the High Park Amphitheater has like stone steps that are it's covered painful. with grass, like loosely covered with grass. Yeah, so yeah. bring a blanket, bring a seat cushion, which we should have done. We should have taken our own. I was advice. just thinking about Jake, who <laughs> he was like, he needed to get up. He needed to stand. Yeah, yeah. Um, however, that being said, when we found out that this show was going to be turned into a full-length musical, which it is a nine... It's 100 minutes, actually, without an intermission. Um, It was supposed to be indoors. I think outdoor is the correct place for this show, considering that it is about a blackout. And we'll talk a bit more more about, like, that portion of it a bit later. But um, I don't know that I would have felt the same way specifically about Cygnus if it was indoors i really liked the fact that we were outside just to like touch upon it being on outside thinking back to the first time we saw cygnus at the global mail building with the windows my favorite part i I talk about it all the time (laughs) they we were in the global mail building i believe it's the 17th floor they do a lot of events there and the the blinds were down and then for this last performance they opened all the blinds and it's just toronto behind the the skyline cn tower everything beautiful just it added so much to it it added so much to it and then having being outside and having the backdrop of i mean not the skyline but the back the backdrop was toronto like we were in toronto and not just in a a theater but in high park which is you know yeah yeah we were like i don't know it just being outside added to the magic of this show is specifically a show like this that takes place in Toronto, outside, even in certain places. So I I think I agree. I think the outdoor venue Mm -hmm. worked much better. Unless you're going to put your entire show in the Global Mail Center to have that stunning skyline, outdoors is the place, um, in my opinion. Let's go through uh, the three different uh, parts of this musical. So we started off with Gemini, which, as I said, features Shalina Kennedy and Cynthia Youssef. Um, It's about two sisters, Eddie and Leighton, who don't get along um the only thing that they like really have in common is sort of their different ways of grieving over their mother but even that they don't really have in common this was also the only 
um, I'll call it a vignette because I feel like that's the best way to describe it. Um, vignette of the three that took place indoors. The other are outdoors. And I kind of wish that this one took place outdoors just to like round out um, the entire production. Um, I didn't love this one. I thought that of the three, this needed the most workshopping and work. I think some of the songs were good. Obviously, like we know Shalina's voice. She's very, very talented. So to hear her sing again was great. Um, But yeah, I think there was like a lot of conflict in this one. And for me, and I know you have a different opinion, so we'll talk about that in a second. But for me, the conflict was like resolved way too quickly and we didn't like get into the nitty gritty of these characters. And I think that's also maybe part of the problem with the entire show in general is that because it's three separate vignettes and about like 30 or so minutes each, you don't really get a lot of character development and it's kind of hard to get invested. Yeah, I, so I, of the songs in this one, I really like the song Related. I thought that one was funny and cute. Um, I think, I agree that I wish it was outside. I think, I think what what where this one fell short for me is that it relied very much on tropes of characters, you know, two sisters who are opposites. One's, you know, like a hippie and loves her crystals and and it's like very flighty and the other one is like very serious, very um I don't like know, straight laced. Exactly. And and I didn't feel like they were fully developed or interesting characters. I felt like they were just um cookie cutter characters that we were and I, that's an easy a shortcut to use when you have really short musicals and you need us to get to know your characters right away to mm-hmm. use character types that you already know but it just and then the storyline was also kind of very tropey and it's that their mother died and they both handled that in different ways so I didn't feel like there was anything about this specific part that made it special or interesting I felt like everything in this had been seen before done before um so that's kind of like what I didn't like about it like I I I didn't mind that at the end it didn't seem like they resolved their issue that the resolution so to say was just that they're sisters and as much as they hate each other they love each other and that they can't talk about it anymore so they're just gonna play cards with each other that like doesn't bother me it was just that there was nothing like exciting nothing surprised me about this part of the musical i think it only bothered me because it felt so like stereotypical this is Mm -hmm. how you resolve a problem between families when like that's not the reality for most people i guess i don't know sometimes me and my brother fight and then like a day later i'm just (laughs) like can you order this for me on amazon he's like yeah fine So there you I, go. That sounds real to me. Let's write a musical. It's just like you just yell at each other, and then like two days later, it's absolutely fine. Nothing ever happened. So, yeah. um, but yeah, I just don't think we knew enough of their like own storylines in general to like have any sort of investment into these characters. Which also leads me into my next point on um, vignette number two, which was called mm-hmm. Pandora. This one did take place outdoors. The two, I guess, like main characters that the story is about is uh, played by Yemi Sanuga, who played Pandora, Jonathan Winsby, who was Manny. And then we had like two side characters that one of them was a tenant in. Do we assume that they own that building? I think they are the landlords that they own that building, yes. Okay, so... Congratulations um, on owning real estate in Toronto, fictional characters, Pandora and Manny. I mean, 2003, so things were a bit, like, 
different than they are now. I hope they've held on to that investment over the past 18 years. A hundred percent. So yeah, uh, Finn, played by Rami Khan, who was one of the tenants, he was so funny. We'll talk about him in a bit. Yeah. And then um, Sarah, who I don't really know her relation. I don't think she has any relation to the No, I think I cu- think couple. Pandora ran into her at the convenience store or something and invited yes. her to this party. Um but played by uh Jermaine Kanji, who I believe was the um Banks Prize winner for 2020-2021 and Brandon was also a Banks Prize um winner. So Jermaine's been part of like the musical stage company like family for at least a couple years now. Um, beautiful voice, by the way. Mm-hmm. Song was like kind of random, but beautiful <laughs> voice. Um, so this storyline, I feel like it took a bit for us to actually figure out the conflict in this storyline. We kept dancing around it, knew that it was there, but didn't know what it was. Right. So Manny wants everyone to leave because something yeah. important is happening the next but day. But also, but we don't it's know what important is happening. It's 3 I also want and like to leave. respect. Yeah. Get out. Get out <laughs> of my house. As we were sitting there and like he kept going on being like it's 3 a.m. Like guys, let's go. I'm pretty sure Alessandra was like me. Like this is me. I feel like we were <laughs> get, all like get out, out of my, of my house. house. <laughs> I related to Manny in this. So yeah, so Same. Manny wants everyone to go cuz they have an appoint a por- important appointment the next day. We as the audience don't know what the important appointment is. Um so uh, that's kind of the reveal. I was feeling okay. It's very clear. It's very clear that Manny wants them to leave, and Pandora is asking them to stay. I, as a guest, am getting out of there. Sorry. Why were they staying? Why were I they agree, still there? But also, these people aren't their friends. So even there's worse. not really even um, worse. boundaries there. I would say. Which is like, even more confusing why Pandora wanted them to say until we, like, hear her final song. Yeah. But, yeah, I agree. If I'm just, like, showing up... First of all, I'm not sure I would go to my landlord's party. One thing. Um, it was a weird time. It was the blackout. <laughs> sure. But still, at that point, I'd be like, I'm just gonna go to my room. Like, literally on the floor down. Like, I'm not gonna he, be part of this. Never, but also, Finn, Finn... had never been invited to a party before. Yes, and also Finn... Is like kind of up in everyone's business, so there was reason for him to stay to get like more information. Out right, of the he couple. was he was um, what you would call a plot device in this show, in that he was just spilling information, um, yeah. spilling facts, so that the audience yeah. could know what was going on. Everyone was being secretive, but his lack of um, social cues that he was taking, he was just <laughs> giving us all the information we needed. He was um, also the comic relief, I would yeah. say. Of everyone was laughing time. at him. Very funny. Um, so, yeah. So, we, like, perform a few songs. They perform. Uh, I actually did enjoy the song Night Like This, which is the first song that we get in that. It's, like, the mm-hmm. whole party scene. Um, Pandora leads the song. She has a resume, by the way. Yemi was in the national tour of The Lion King. She was in the original West End cast of The Book of Mormon. She was also in the world premiere of Ghost. Like, okay. What a resume here. <laughs> Season three of Jan. <laughs> Jan. That's a Canadian iconic TV show, Jan. On, is it CBC? Was it on CBC? Uh, CTV. Oh, it was on CTV. Oh, look. So, yeah, she had a beautiful voice. And that song I felt was fun, kind of like introduced us to this new scene. Um, also, everybody that was in the other two parts, like, 
were there at the beginning to take off the previous set. So it kind of looked like they were saying bye to people that might yeah. have also been at the party. Um, and then we get into some other songs. But I think the two, I would say, most emotional songs in uh, Pandora are In the Dark and Rare, which one sung by Pandora and the other sung by Manny and Pandora. Um, we won't spoil what the actual um, secret is. But to talk about it without spoiling, it was kind of expected. And I feel like, again, a problem that I had with the writing of this was that it just felt like here we are going through the stereotypical scenes of other things that I have seen. Yeah, um, I liked everyone in this part. But again, it didn't match up to the high, especially because I knew Cygnus was coming. Yeah. And it wasn't. It wasn't Cygnus. (laughs) I know. We will talk about Cygnus, but you've just heard Brandon talk about Cygnus for like a bit Mm -hmm. of it. So um, I think we should talk about the connection of the three stories or lack of connection in the three stories. Mm -hmm. Um, Something that I wish we had, um, and shout out to Patrick, listener of the podcast, who was also there that night and messaged us his thoughts on it. Um, Something that he said that he was missing and I think he nailed it was the sense of like community and a full chorus number um nobody sings together unless they're in the parts um in their individual parts but we were really missing like a group number um Mm -hmm. and without it it felt kind of broken and what Patrick had said was that in a year of virtual theater and solo cabarets you really miss that community. And I 100% agree with that. There is a catharsis to everyone coming and singing together to end a show. There's a reason literally every show ends like that. And I wanted the answer me moment from the end of the band's visit, you know, where you've had these like disjointed stories throughout and then everyone just comes together and you realize, oh, everyone's the same. You know, everyone is different, but is going through the same things. And I think that was missing. My other, here's what I wanted. I wanted it to be a classic Love Actually, a Valentine's Day, a New Year's Eve, a Mother's Day. <laughs> okay, where- Somebody to where, choose from. <laughs> somebody to choose from. Gary Marshall has done so much. And also, sorry, Richard Curtis did Love Actually. But I wanted, I wanted all the stories to be interspersed within one another. I didn't want to see one, two, and three. I wanted to jump back and forth between throughout the night and then kind of maybe having them pass by each other or weirdly interact in certain ways. And I feel like even if the the characters never interacted by interspersing them with each other, I think it would have felt more cohesive. Yeah, this is my main critique of the show. And I also think we walked in expecting this. Yes, Um, that's really what I thought was going to happen. Yeah, um... Because when we went to reprint and knowing that um, Cygnus was going to be turned into a full musical, uh, there is a program online um, for this show and there is an interview with both of the creators and I was reading a bit of it. And they said that they didn't turn Cygnus into a full show because that storyline felt finished, which is fine. And I agree that, that like it does end that, off. And when they said they were developing it into a full musical, th- this is kind of what I thought they would do. I was like, I don't think we need more Cygnus, but I think it would be fun to revisit different things of that night. Yeah. And I also think this was something that like our entire group that went discussed um, in the car was that to us, the blackout is kind of a big deal. So to have that like kind of set aside and not really talk about the blackout, I feel like there was a missed opportunity there. Um, yeah. Yes. I, I, I didn't 
mind that we didn't talk so much about the blackout, but no, I mean, this is what I liked so much about, I guess, Cygnus is that it like brought together two people who would never have met in another mm-hmm. time. And I don't necessarily feel like the other ones created situations like that. Yeah, I um, agree. And I wanted that more. I wanted this like unlikely meeting of people that could only be brought together by this like weird world event that happened. Mm-hmm. Also, one of our friends who we were with, you know, he said, after this past year, who cares about a blackout? Yeah, I know, it's true. But I do <laughs> think... Like, we've moved on. <laughs> like, obviously, some of the um, themes within the entire show are, yes. like, isolation and, like, mm-hmm. community and that feeling of needing to, like, be with another person, which is totally, like, relatable yeah. to COVID, 100%. However, without a musical number of everyone together, it still feels mm-hmm. isolated to me, if that makes yeah. sense. I also think, which is what we, like, literally just figured out um, before we jumped on here... All of the vignettes are named after constellations. We have Gemini, we have Pandora, and we have Cygnus. They could have literally connected the show via the stars. Everyone could have talked about the stars in the sky as they do in Cygnus, and it could have been interspliced over all three, and I don't know why Mm -hmm. we didn't do that. Yeah, I, I agree, because that is something about the blackout. You could see the stars for the first time, as said in Cygnus, and if that was like mentioned in all of them that would have been a great like through line theme i agree i agree that's a which great is also shocking take. because like we never have clear nights here so like yes no it's like toronto with like the smog the lights the yeah. like smoke from fires in northern ontario recently like you cannot see the stars yeah i also think that um specifically in the third one again we like talk about Cygnus a lot but because the other two are named after like pandora obviously the character name gemini not really talked about at all in that I first think, one. I think one of them is a Gemini. Sure, or is it but we didn't discuss they're it. Not, are they? No, they're not twins. No. The oh. sisters weren't twins, no. No, no. One of them yeah, was older. So I, I don't really know, like, without that being discussed, I just think it was, like, such an opportunity and literally, like, written for them to, like, look up in the sky because yeah. we're there. They were and there. I, I also think that is part of another thing that I have a problem with this um, in general, which I don't know that they can solve. I think indoors would solve it, obviously, because you can handle the lighting. But the first two parts, um, just based on the time that the sun sets here in Toronto, which is like a cool eight something, um, it was light out. So yes. it didn't feel like we were in a blackout, per se, whereas the last one, it was dark and the little yeah, like, it didn't, set. It didn't fully set until the third part, until about like 9, 10, maybe. Yeah. And I do think, um, I think Shara had actually pointed this out, that if it was dark, she might have felt differently on the overall um, mm. show, just because it would have felt more cohesive in that way. Um, it's interesting to me that they're doing matinees of this show because that means that Cygnus is in the light and I don't know how that hits in... I really think the darkness is such a great addition yeah. to that show and really, like, puts it over the top. Um, I have to say, like, I don't know that it works in a light situation because even, again, thinking back to reprint, those first two parts that were not part of Blackout at all, even though the blinds were down, it was still kind of light outside. Yeah, when they opened it, it was dark and everything was, like, mm-hmm. beautifully lit. Like, like so it was lit. stunning. Um, but, yeah, just to, like, touch on Cygnus, our thoughts on it aside from Brandon's, um, some of those songs, stunning. Like, actually, truly stunning. I think that the 
first song, Shine Again, which obviously crowd favorite because it's a reprise at the end as well. Mm-hmm. Um, Lennon sings this, played by Michael DeRose. Michael DeRose, you have an amazing voice, and on this song sounds so good. Is there still a chance that somebody's there? Out in the waves that are crashing The days that keep passing If somebody saw my flare Sickness then Would I shine again? And then obviously Zachary, Brandon, Antonio. Um, he They sing two songs together. Brandon does not have a solo um, in this 30 minutes of Cygnus, um, whereas Lennon sings two songs by himself and then two songs with uh, Zachary. Um, Steph, I know you love Summer in Toronto. I do. This is where I cried. Um, the the line, you know, I think the line that, like, hit, especially over the past year, you know, we'll be together but alone. Like, everyone going through the exact same thing but feeling very isolated. Like, that's very true to this past year. And they were talking about how Toronto is such a big place, but, like, the more people that there are, the less, like, connection the less opportunity for connection there is and that's true in tour of toronto in general was in 2003 is now um and i think especially like recently um and i just thought that i thought that song like really hit another summer in toronto a million people on the street so many people in toronto losing their minds out in the heat but you and me can leave toronto Also, like the comedy, you know, Torontonians have been suffering through the Leafs for the past 50 years, okay? 50 years, yeah. 50 plus years. Well, when was the last time they won? 1967. Yeah, so like 50 plus years. And I will also do another quote. Our friend Jake was there and he said, the Leafs were actually good in 2003. <laughs> that really Not good enough, though, clearly. <laughs> Not that good. Yeah. Not that good. But yeah, um... That that was a constant for Toronto fans, I guess. That yeah. that it was true in two thousand three and true now. Um, That's also a song I feel like because it was maybe one of the most upbeat in the entire mm-hmm. thing. Like that could have been the group number that we needed. Yeah, because maybe you reprise it at the end because they're all going yeah. for a summer in Toronto. You know. Yeah. Um, also, that got, song got the biggest laughs when they mentioned the leaves. Like the audience, people love the cracked leaves. up, cracked up. Yeah, it's it was like, also funny because like the way that it's m- mentioned in the song is that like he's sports gay from Smash. Like that's what that character is. <laughs> Ooh, a gay leaves fan. <laughs> yeah, it's exactly how it's said. Um, um, it's so like people when you like watch that. Comfortable Way and they say shoppers, and the audience thinks it's the funniest thing you've ever seen. Um, well, okay, it's interesting that you brought that up because I do want to talk about that. Obviously, we do not know the life of Blackout um, post mm-hmm. this uh, performance at a musical stage company. Um, yeah, so Mitchell Marcus called it a preview production. So I, I took that to me, and I think he, I believe he said that there are plans for an indoor production of it in the future. This is just working on it, having the opportunity to collaborate with Canadian Stage with the venue of High Park. Um, so there are future plans for it in Toronto, definitely. 
Well, I do think Toronto is the only place that this could play. Um, and I know that I've said, actually, I don't know if I've publicly said on this podcast, but we've had the conversation many times about Come From Away and how Canadian it was, and I didn't know how it would work in New York. Obviously, completely wrong. However, I don't think we have a Come From Away on our hands, and I also don't think that the Come From Away Canadian-specific um, lines are, like, too, too specific. They're literally naming, oh. like, street names in Toronto, which I think Comfort Way is so specific. I think Comfort Way gets. I think Comfort Way is specific to Canada, but not Toronto. Sure. So if you are seeing this from Edmonton, you'd be like, "What? Like, I don't know where any of this stuff is." But even like Comfort Way, and I, I, I do think Comfort Way is just like such a special, like lightning in a bottle, amazing show. We cannot compare it. It is, is not I don't comparable. Think this is. Um, but even stuff like screeching people in, that's such a Newfoundland specific thing, you know? Yeah. We're talking about shoppers, we're talking about Rogers uh, media, you know? <laughs> like, like they, Rogers they TV sadly does not exist anymore. So Your former employer, from, Tara. My right? former employer. Um, yeah, like Rogers TV is very specific. Actually, that's not true. It doesn't exist in Ontario anymore, but I do think it still exists in other places. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like when they were talking about like Scarborough and like the subway line and all of that, it was like, this is too specific. And some of these places, I don't even know. No, I like that stuff. It doesn't bother me if like not everyone gets it. It's okay. You know, it's just kind of like the more specific a show can be kind of, I think the more universal it is. Because even if people don't know this Scarborough specific subway line, like they know about like the random subway line in their city. That's, I don't sure. know. You know, yeah, it, it just, it, it allows it to, it allows you to like latch on to specificity and allows the characters to feel real and who are living like real lives, even if you don't know exactly what they're talking about. Then maybe I needed more of a character development to feel that way about these characters. Because to me, it just felt like name dropping of streets because Mm. they had a Toronto audience and wanted a laugh. Sure, (laughs) sure. Which maybe that is the case. It's exciting that Canadian music is happening. This is the first one out of the gate and still in like, we're still in the pandemic and they still were Mm. able to do this and do it in a way that... They can get enough of an audience in there, even if it's not what they hoped and dreamed for when they first set out to write this full show. Yeah, it's all it's been all about like adaptation. And I think this venue has been a great adaptation um, to what they're available to do and what they're capable of doing. And it was so, so fun to, I don't know, get your ticket scanned and walk in and pick a seat and get to like see something and applaud with people and listen to this show start. It was like it was great. I just think that it's amazing that a Canadian stage has been able to put uh, together such a great lineup for High Park. Obviously, sadly, there is no Shakespeare in the Park uh, this year because of this sort of lineup. Whatever our thoughts might be on this, to to know that theater is coming back and seems to be like just as strong as it was when we left is like really promising for um, the future of Canadian stage, musical stage company, musical theater in Canada, in Toronto specifically in general. So... It was great to get back out there and see a show um, and see something like produced. I don't know. I'm like into the outside shows. I hope this stuff continues as we go on. I agree. I I, I want to be back in the theater, but I think more diverse venues um, provides opportunity for different kinds of shows that don't need as much production value. 
Um, yeah. And I hope we get to see just, I hope there's just so many more performance spaces and so many more different types of shows that we get to see over the few years. I hope that's what we've gotten from this past year and a half. If you are looking to see Blackout, you can head over to Musical Stage Company's website as well as Canadian Stage, um, their website. We will also uh, tweet this out on our social media and have it in the description for our listeners. If you are listening to us on day of release of this episode, you only have a few days to go see Blackout. So. It closes on August 15th. That's the last performance. And fun fact, the 2003 Blackout was on August 14th, so that could be a fun night to go. That would be so funny. <laughs> Yeah. Um, All of these years later, like sitting, watching the actual night unfold as the day of the actual blackout. But as Steph said early in our episode, um, you can buy premium access tickets for $49 or pay what you can is $5 to $50. And uh, you pick your time to entry. So we'll have all of that information um, on our social media. And we also just want to thank Brandon again um, for coming on and talking to us. And as I said, I can't wait to see what he does next. Like, he is our first repeat guest of the podcast, <laughs> and um, we would love to have him on in the future. So thank you again, Brandon. And yeah, if you want to um, follow us, you can do that. Uh, our Instagram and Twitter is off to B-Way Podcast. That's with the number two. And if you want to subscribe to the podcast, you can do that anywhere podcasts are found. And we would love it if you would leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. And we will see you guys next week for our time at Stratford. Bye. Bye.